Good morning, guys. This is Stephen Kwong here with Natalie's and Jess. Unlikely Journey, Episode Three. The topic this morning is about building wealth, and there's so much to talk about. So, who wants to go first? I know, Natalie's. You're up first. <laughs> you, you should have picked Jess first, um, <laughs> because I think the reality for me is that, you know, I haven't, I haven't been as thoughtful about it, admittedly so, as I. Um, I have, you know, as I maybe should be. Um, I think being an artist, you know, you don't. First of all, you don't go into um, being an artist to to get rich. <laughs> like you just don't pursue it. Um, there are many other ways to to get rich quickly. So, I mean, in terms of of tips and tricks, I don't know if I have anything for you.、Um, I will say that my husband and I have gotten more into, you know, investing into into stocks.、Um, that's something that he leads on. Um, but really, we're we're focusing on on our entrepreneurial ventures too as really a way of of life. And I, I wouldn't even say like necessarily of of wealth because again, <laughs> you don't go into being an entrepreneur. I think I read a book recently that said you know if you want to get rich quickly, you really shouldn't be an entrepreneur. And so I don't know. I mean, love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's interesting because I've always conditioned myself to believe that if I want to get rich quickly, the only way to do it is through entrepreneurship. So I want to know what book you're reading because、um, I want to investigate the opposite stance. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. But I think really the idea was that you know if you work in finance, you are consistently making a high salary, and you can put that money away and you can invest. Money, you you know you can invest in and you'll have a it's a safer、um, path to wealth. Whereas as an entrepreneur, yes, there are those stories. Yes, you can certainly go from you know zero to to sixty very quickly,、um, but your chances of that happening are very low, on average. So so I have a question here, which I actually I just I I just was like super curious to hear like. And I love Natalie's actually that you went went first because I feel like we're almost putting the cart before the horse because I love that we're talking about wealth as opposed to money or richness, right? And I think like I think there actually are like multiple definitions to what wealth is, and I think that、um, I don't know. I I feel like I've had this new perspective recently. Like I took a money seminar I told you guys about, and you know this guy Mark Devine, who I'm just obsessed with. I'm doing his unbeatable challenge. He's a Navy SEAL. He trains Navy SEALs. Um, but he also <laughs> it's, he also trains corporations, and it's about like you know it's a, it's about having a mindset to zero in on the targets and then the discipline to follow through. But there's also a lot of spirituality around it. Like how do you maintain yourself in a calm from a calm space when you know ultimately you start making these big moves and you know crises you know, big bigger moves bigger problems basically. But he he said this thing that really struck me. He said that the difference between wealth and health. Is that you know your why, right? It's one, it's one letter off. Health and wealth, and with with wealth, you know your why, and knowing your why means why you do anything that you do. So you know, for someone like me, like I would, I consider myself incredibly wealthy, even though I have you know a rent controlled apartment in Hollywood that I love is everything that I need. I traveled all over the world, and my definition of wealth for me, for the last couple of years, has been experience. You know, I want to be able to go to all of these places and check them off my bucket list. I want to stand on the Great Wall of China. I want to, you know, 
go down a river in China and, you know, see the forbidden city. And, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like wealth is such an interesting thing to think about because there are the traditional ways of being rich. Um, and this is why I would argue, Natalie's like against kind of, not against, but I, a different perspective with regards to what you're reading, which is like, sure, the traditional way is you get a finance job and you work your ass off and then maybe someday you do all those things, but you're not guaranteed that someday time. You could retire and you have a disease or, you know, you get hit by a truck or a car. And then that trip you always wanted to take because you spent decades of your life saving up all this money and you can retire might not happen. So, you know, I think for in terms of monetary wealth, just money dollar for dollar, like sure, it's a much more massive risk with entrepreneurship. But but that time you have, that time and, and your ability to work on your own passion, I mean, that to me feels like a different definition of wealth. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? So what I'm hearing from you, I believe, is this notion that as individuals, we need to define for us for ourselves what wealth is. That's first and foremost. For some people, it could be their balance sheet. For some people, it's a combination of um, mental and physical wellness mixed with like uh, a steady income. And then for some other people, uh, wealth could be the process of achieving greatness through taking a lot of risk. I think for myself, I've always been, and this is not a good thing, by the way, but I'll say this, I've always been in the mindset of like, it's never enough, like I need to achieve more. And that's also like really unhealthy thinking. But um, with that being said, I don't know, that personality kind of just drives me to feel like there's there, the universe is so great. There's so much abundance out there. And it's not necessarily about like trying to grab on or grasping onto all of these things, but it's like, like you said, Jess, there's a finite amount of time and I really want to identify like what are the things that I want to experience before like my time's up. So I think um, from that perspective, this notion of taking risk is not as scary for me because I mean, for me, what's scary is like waking up and, you know, going to that finance job. Like I'd rather make less money knowing that I can um, experience a lot more and, and do different things and, and then potentially make more money versus like, um, I don't know, I'm just deathly afraid of being stuck in the same experience. So, so that's my take. Well, I mean, and I think also think about risk, right? Like I think that risk was different for our generations before us. And we grew up in that kind of balance where, you know, the ages that we, that we, the three of us are, you know, where you get the job and that's the secure thing to do. But, you know, retirement packages have gone away. Like, you know, part-time culture is, is, is a whole other thing and benefit packages are, are just shifting. So, you know, you don't work at the same company with guaranteed pensions and, you know, there isn't that long-term security. So I would even say like this concept of risk for entrepreneurship, like, you know, aside from me going to, you know, a job like that where I, I, you know, that would stress me out having to do that. But at the same time, also having all my eggs in one basket, you know, that that basket goes away. What am I left with? And, you know, I, I don't know. I think if you have the mindset of being able to piece together, you know, using your skill set, a couple of different things and, and, and really just look at yourself as, as the corporation or the business, um, that to me has always felt like a better bet than hoping that, some company doesn't restructure and suddenly I'm obsolete. No, that's a, that's a really, really great point. So we, we are led to believe that having a, a job and working for um, a corporation or an established organization is something that's less risky, but you're absolutely right. Like who's to say that next week they're not going to restructure and everybody's going to get laid off. The idea of an investing in myself and, and me being that corporation or me being that, um, 
having that mindset to be able to to grow something from nothing, I think that's more security for me. Um, you know, I have a funny story to tell you. You know, um, before we founded uh, Curacubby, the the startup that I'm I'm leading right now, uh, one of my co-founders was like he wasn't sure that he wanted to be in because he was like this is super risky. Like he he came from like a Fortune 500 company. He's like you know he's been there for like 10 years, and he he wasn't sure. He's like this is super risky. What if this? What if that? And then you know this is what I ultimately told him. I said, look, dude, you have been working in a very very low risk position for a long time. You've made decent money. Think about the startup as like getting your MBA, legit getting your MBA, like from a street standard, just going out there and and trying some things. And then also they're paying, we're, we're paying you, we're going to pay you like a modest salary to get your MBA. Once I told him that, he was like, oh, this sounds fun. I was like, it, it does. Like the worst thing that can happen is like, no matter what, you're going to graduate. Like if your startup exits, you've graduated. If your startup fails, you've graduated because you've learned a bunch of things. And then through that process, you're going to get hooked up and networked with so many people that if you're any sort of decent business person, you're going to build a firm enough relationship. You can network and ask for a position with someone that you've touched upon uh, while you're doing your startup. So ultimately, that was a conversation that got him in. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I, I agree with this notion that investing in yourself is like the least riskiest thing you should you can do. That's like probably the most stable thing. So I don't know, Natalie, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because you've, you've actually went to business school, unlike the rest of us. Well, my, first of all, my brain is, is turning. And, and just to touch back on, on Jess, like what you said, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think, you know, I think it's a hard, um, it's not a hard thing to understand, but I think it's a hard thing to live. This idea that, that wealth is holistic. And, you know, I have to remind myself of that all the time because I, I, I like I said, I, I've in my life, I've optimized for many other things like you have. But I think the, the world is, is not necessarily like on that same page all the time. And so you have to sort of remind yourself of why you're doing things. You know, one thing that, you know, as you guys were talking, I started thinking about maybe at the, the cost of being controversial. I don't know if I would make the same choices if I had kids today, and Steve, you're a father, um, and you're still an entrepreneur, and that's awesome. Um, but I know a lot of people, like my friend circle, in my friend circles, who are really educated, could be really amazing entrepreneurs. But you know, they haven't taken the leap because they have two kids and a wife and a mortgage, you know, and and they're scared to to make that that leap. So I don't know. I, I feel for that too. You know, that's a really that's a really great really point. Interesting. Yeah, it's a good yeah. balance. That's a good balance to remember that at the end of the day is all contextual based on, you know, your family circumstance and um, the goals that you want to attain in your personal life. Um, now, something Jess said that just made me turn, turn on the light switch in my head. Um, like the economy, the, the state of the union, um, the, our political system, it is changing more rapidly and at a, at a much higher rate now than has ever been before. So a lot of the, the thoughts and um, cultural norms that we bring with us are, I mean, especially, you know, someone in my age, they're from decades ago. It's a lot different now, right? If you look at, if you look at resumes, like, you know, back in the 2000s, 
if someone job hopped every three years, you'd be like, okay, this person's not stable. But now if you look at a resume now, you almost don't expect anyone to be at a job for longer than three years, right? So that is a huge cultural change. And that really speaks a lot about change and stability, risk and rewards. Jess, I mean, what is it like uh, down in LA in the music industry? Like what is considered like a stable position for somebody? Like how long of a tenure? Oh my God. I mean, you know what's funny is like, I've, I've had been doing business recently with people who've been at their companies for 10, 15 years. It just kind of creeps up on them. Um, I mean, definitely never stable for the creatives. Um, some of these larger uh, conglomerate labels that keep gobbling up smaller groups are pretty secure. You know, they're publicly traded, you know, basically copyright holders at that point, right? So there's definitely a mechanism in place that um, I think does provide some some job security. And I will say in our industry, and at least this will probably make you laugh, but it's in the executive side, I'm not saying there aren't a lot of amazing executives there are, but it's the kind of thing where hype leads and you can really fail up very successfully. So like, you, you know, there'll be musical chairs, but you end up, you look in this executive ended up in a higher position somewhere else. And you're like, wow, that's so interesting. Like it's this perception of your value. I think a little bit more than um, maybe what you add because of the fact that we're dealing in, in, in talent um, and in that type of kind of IP where if you have those connections, it's kind of at a certain level what people are looking for, um, you know, and then a figurehead that has that kind of clout to run the company, whether or not they actually have the skills to do it. So, I mean, the music industry on the business side is, is definitely a bit of the Wild West, but for these bigger companies, I mean, like I said, I've seen people that have been in the same jobs for like 20, 15 years. Um, so I definitely think that that you know, that that still stands. And, you know, to speak to Natalisa's point, like, look, I, I'm completely aware of the fact that that an element of my privilege is that I, I don't have a family and I don't have kids and I can't afford to be riskier and I can't afford to maybe now be looking into financial literacy and building up some sort of nest egg, you know, for myself and thank God, not like two kids that I didn't plan college for, you know? So um, I, I, I do think that it is just an element of, 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 choice if you're lucky enough to have that choice at some point but i don't mean i don't i look i don't think there's security any anywhere maybe that's just my paranoia but um i just feel like i think you're right yes yeah i don't think there's security <laughs> really i think there's the illusion of security. that's right that's right but, if there was anything that covid should have taught us it's that there is no certainty right yeah right i mean have you guys seen nomadland the oh one God, that won no. best picture no i haven't yet no, i want to see it I mean, want is a strong word, I would say. I, be prepared to be depressed. And it, it is, it's like an interesting narrative because it doesn't really have a story arc. You're just kind of watching. It, mm. It's based off of this plant that closed. And it's kind of like to what we're speaking about, right? Like these people did everything right. And all of a sudden, you know, this one stone wasn't being used anymore in building. And right outside of, you know, in Nevada, right outside of the city, like this entire town just closed, the town everything and it was like god knows how many thousands of people who had to be relocated and lost all lost their jobs and you're watching you know the, the lead character and you know, she did an awesome performance but you're just watching her not wanting to leave this area because it's her home but not having anything left or any work or like i mean just you, i don't know i i think i think the power in this is understanding which again brings back to our whole idea for this podcast and why i think we're drawn to this is that what's that thing where they say like you make plans and God laughs like you really just have to be adaptable because COVID happens like natural disasters happen like wars happen you know plants shut down like that can't be the end of your story 
So this idea about wealth building then really is a mindset more than anything else is what I'm hearing, right? You can go to all of the best seminars and the best lectures and get the best mentors. But if your mind is not prepared to adapt to fast change, if your emotional well-being isn't stable enough to get up in the morning to like, you know, turn the shades a different way so you can get some sunlight in your room, then none of this, you know, strategic, pragmatic stuff even works. Am I right? Well, well, yeah, but I think let's ask, I want to ask you guys, I think the first question, which is, what is wealth to each of you? Because you need to know that to go to, you need to know anything that you want in this life. You have to know, you have to know what it is so you can head towards it. So Natalie, what is wealth to you? You know, so a, a professor asked me a few months ago, you know, what? It, it was a really compelling question, which is, you know, what are you, what are you playing for? Give me five things you're playing for. And he said, look at your life like in 10 years and think about what are the things that you want to achieve? And it kind of doesn't matter if you achieve those five things, but at least you're moving towards them and you're taking action every day to, to accomplish it, accomplish those goals. And it took me a while. Like he asked me like in, you know, December and I continued to think about it. I let it kind of sink in. You know, I reflected over, over the holidays and I didn't really get back to him until April. And even then I said, you know, I don't know if these are like the for sure, for sure, but this is what I've landed on. Um, and for me, it was like, it's important to me that I build um, authentic connections with the people around me. Um, specifically, you know, my family, my husband, you know, I want to stay married, etc. Um, two, I said, I want to be able to create beautiful things. Now, whether that is, you know, whatever in whatever industry or, or whatever function, I want to be able to, to stay, to feel creative. I said, I do want financial freedom. You know, that's certainly, I don't want to have to worry about it. I don't know what that number is for me, but I don't want to feel like that I'm scared. The way that I look at it is wealth building is like a chess match. It's like you against the elements of the universe. For me, having what I would consider appropriate wealth is just having the economic freedom to make that next move on the chessboard. But I don't know what that next move is because I don't know like the hand that's being dealt on the other side, but definitely Freedom for me is a is a huge thing. Um, if I don't have the economic wealth um, to make some choices that I am um, passionate about, then that would be a downer for me. So again, I don't know what that number is because you know everything's changing. There's inflation, you know, going up like crazy. House housing, uh, cost of living is going up like crazy. So it could be drastically different today versus six months from now. So I don't know if there is a, a solid number, but I know that it's um, a chess match. You just have to be sharp enough to be able to, to have the opportunity to make that next move and not get taken out. What about you, Jess? I, I, <laughs> well, I just did those seminars, so I have my numbers, but, um, I don't know. I mean, look, wealth to me is time. 
wealth to me is time and health. Um, and not necessarily in that order health first time. And, and it's, I just, I'm a creative person and I just, I want to feel inspired and, and passionate about what I'm doing. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to work with people who I love working with. I want to have the biggest amount of impact. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of wealth, like, yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, Natalie's touched on this earlier, like, you know, we're artists. So like, you don't really get into that to be rich from wealthy from a money standpoint you're just you're driven by this desire to to be creative and communicate and share um your art and uh it's hard to place a value on that because it's not you know you're kind of just in the slog of um of or the riding that roller coaster of that career um at least at the start and i, I don't know i i guess yeah wealth to me is is time and freedom and i know i i think at this at this point in my life being in my you know late 30s at this point you know financial literacy i'm spending a lot of time educating myself on investments and on you know what i can be doing with the money that does come in um because i hadn't spent time on that earlier and i feel like i have a lot of catching up to do but um and i've done a lot of things i want not that my life's over but i have checked off a bunch of bucket list items i was just thinking about this morning where i'm like okay buckle down for the next couple years and really put your laser beam on this financial literacy thing and really understanding how to set yourself up. So you're financially secure and free. Um, and I, and honestly, you guys, I will say like, it's terrifying to have to sit down and put down a number. Um, but it doesn't take as long as you think it does. It takes like you know, maybe like an hour of really just focusing. And then when you work backwards from that, you're like, Oh, Oh wow. Okay. I can see that. That's logical. Um, and it does kind of ingrain in your subconscious. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I agree with you, Steve, that it's a chess match, but I also think it can't hurt to pick a target and then also not be afraid. Like we all talked about this in business in being nimble enough to readjust it, you know, like Natalie, if you end up having, you know, finding out that, you know, you guys are having, you and your husband are having a kid, like you're going to change that, right. You're, that number is going to shift a bunch of other things are going to shift as well. So, you know, I'm a firm believer in like sitting down and like, picking these targets, but then really checking in on them and revising. What are three things that you must do consistently to sustain a healthy way to think about wealth building? Three things. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is the ability to not hinge your self-worth and identity on your wealth or on, you know, whatever you're, you're trying to accomplish. And I think that maybe speaks to, to any and every goal that you might have, um, because I think that's a dangerous thing to do. Jess, want to throw us a nugget? Yeah, I, I think definitely not hinging your, your self-worth um, is, 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 is a massive thing. I, I would say humor, too, just with all this, because it really is, money is absurd, it's a piece of paper that we decide to mean something, you know what I mean? Like everything, it's all kind of relative. Like, I think if you're not enjoying the process and kind of able to just have humor and, and, and a little bit of fun with, with it, you know? And again, like, I mean, even in the hard times, I think humor where you can. I love that. Yeah. I'm thinking about this. Um, I agree. I think, uh, tying your identity to, to money is a big no, no. That is a, fastest way to disaster um i love the humor part so i also believe that discipline um which is something that i need to be much better with is 
absolutely critical. Um, and by discipline, I mean habits or even micro habits, like doing things consistently because at the end of the day, um, to build wealth, it is a process. It's just like, you know, being able to be really good at jujitsu, you need 10,000 hours to be able to play piano, you need 10,000 hours to, to really do anything where you are, um, moving yourself away from novice and becoming sort of like a master, you just need a lot of time. So um, in, in that regard, Jess, I agree with you, you know, all the financial literacy courses, um, learning from people that have done it before. Um, yes, all that is important, but that won't mean much if we're not putting that into practice uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I would agree that it, it, it's, it's definitely consistent action towards your goal. And, and maybe I just take that for granted because I just do. Like, like It's like you don't see the thing that you do. Like you just wake up every day and just try again, you know, and, and, and just keep, you know, consistently chipping away at, at all of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, again, I think it, it, it's, it's interesting Like this, this passion, this idea of knowing your passion, your purpose and your principles is something that, you know, I've been, I was actually working on this morning before I started talking to you guys for this unbeatable mind challenge with um, Mark Devine. And, um, and it's just, it, I never thought I always have the, I have the principles like I have a get up to this, do your schedule, like, and the passion, you know, the purpose part is like the part that I, I kind of feel like is a shifting thing. And I don't know if you guys ever feel this as entrepreneurs, because once you start doing businesses that aren't necessarily yours, it is like, how do you maintain that discipline and that passion and keep it aligned with your purpose? So it is a consistent action, but I think it's also juggling those, those three balls in the air and making sure that not, you know, any one of them is taking over or you're out of alignment. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, I'm reading this book called The Art of Wealth. It's uh, basically is an old like uh, Sanskrit uh, translation by Thomas Clearly. And, you know, these are essays. These are really, really old essays. And the the entire compilation is ultimately pointing you towards like acquiring wealth. But I would say that 99% of this book has nothing to do with money. Everything in this book has to do with like mindset, harmonizing with the world, um, not offending people, um, doing right. There's a lot of sort of, I don't know, Buddhist enlightenment in this book. And what I've come to realize after like, you know, browsing through this thing a few times is that no one is going to be able to have what I guess we would consider a wealthy um, state of mind or wealthy um, state of health, even if we can't make peace with, or we don't, we can't really define what peace is to us. Because I think if you can have peace and have that balance and have passion, and that can be the the common denominator for creativity. Ultimately, your imagination is going to go. You're going to create, and. The, at, at the moment that you can find a way to transact through your creations, then you can start to acquire wealth. But um, according to this text, you know, you can't get any of that if, you know, your, your life is, is out of balance and out of harmony. So with that being said, we're coming close to the end of this podcast. And I'm so excited about episode four. We have Nina Bergman coming on, actress, singer, songwriter, activist. Jess, tell us a little bit more about Nina. Oh yeah, we're going to be talking with one of my closest friends, Nina Bergman. She is a phenomenal, gosh, there's just too much. She's a multi-hyphenate. I mean, just 
model, actor, singer, she's signed to major labels, I mean, she does her own stunts, she's in a ton of films, like, she's just, uh, just a remarkable, remarkable human being, um, and just has had a really unconventional journey, and, and you know, we thought it'd be a great interview for, for listeners, and we're really excited to have her joining us. Well, I'm super excited about that. So, guys, thank you for checking in with us this week. This is Stephen Kwong, along with Jess Furman and Natalise. We're signing out. Until next time, peace.